nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Thank you so much for joining us again here uh, at Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I am Leanne Meyer, and I'm really, really excited about this show. Um, The name of our show today is Nurse Resiliency Needed Now More Than Ever. And uh, resiliency is a topic that I hold particularly dear. Uh, Though I come from tough German-Irish stock, I face many challenges, including panic and anxiety attacks at a young age, as well as clinical depression in my mid-30s, along with a long history of chronic pain. So learning about the foundations of resiliency helped me tremendously in finding my own normal and then helping others to do the same. In fact, I taught a class on uh, personal resiliency for a few years, um, uh, about 10 years ago. And what I realized is teaching somebody else really does help bring those concepts to home for yourself. So um, I learned a couple of things. I learned that resilient people are able to self-nurture. They have personal boundaries. They surround themselves with healthy people and or they seek assistance when they feel stuck. And all of these things can be learned. So today I've invited two healthy people to chat with me about resiliency, uh, Lynn McCright, who founded Advancing Nurse Coaching, and one of her uh, instructors and director board, board member, Teresa Walding. So please welcome them with me. Welcome. Thank you so much, Leanne. Oh, Happy it's to wonderful have you. to be here. And, and I want to say that, that resiliency and resilience are actually synonymous. So okay. the words are identical. They mean exactly the same thing. We say resilience, you say resiliency. They are yeah. the same. I go back and forth. It seems like it depends on how it fits in the sentence or something. But So, Lynn <laughs> uh, McCright, tell me about yourself. I know you have been on the show before, and you were talking about your uh, advancing nurse coaching. But today we're talking about a specific part of it. So could you just remind us briefly of your bio and then uh, how you came to be teaching this um, particular subject? Well, I really found out about the principles of resilience um, 30 years ago. And it's something that I've held as as not just a dream, but a, a practice reality for myself since I established my very first private practice of nursing in Monterey, California in, in 1986. So it's been a long time coming for me to be able to see this on a larger scale. And when we opened our school, um, online school three years ago, we actually opened on three continents. Wow. So what we're teaching is coaching, and nursing is the first and only profession to actually offer a national board certification in coaching. Wow. That's great. And to be at the front line of it, that's got to be pretty impressive, too. Um, So, uh, Teresa, tell me about yourself, a bit of your background biography, and then how you came not only to nursing, but to resilience. Okay. Yeah, I um, have been a nurse since 1993, and I started out working ICU. And, And, you know, like most nurses, we go through different stages of different things we like to do. So I did some skilled nursing and 
pediatric home health. I currently work at the hospital in the post-anesthesia recovery, but my my desire has always been to be a holistic nurse and to bring something to people that could help them even in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Back then, it looked like it would be a modality or something they could do or reach for that would help their calm them, but I didn't know it would be the principles of resilience. Mm, That was the one thing that brought everything together for me. Mm -hmm. The day that I found out about the principles and the fact that we actually have principles about our mental life Mm -hmm. really did help navigate, helped create, helped my chronic pain to bring some understanding of how all that happened and Mm -hmm. how it was able to get better through understanding the principle. I think when you're feeling out of control, whether it's your body is out of control from pain or anxiety or whatever all the things are, the stresses that nurses have every day, um, I think you just want anything that is a tool that can help you bring it all back into some kind of focus and feel like at least you can control yourself, if not the environment around you. So let's get right into it and um, talk about uh, how are the principles of resilience a foundation for human experience. Oh, Lynn, why don't you go first? Okay. Well, the principles of resilience um, sound very simple, simple, very simplistic almost at, at first blush because we can summarize that just in, in three words. Mm-hmm. Um, the first word is that we describe it as divine mind. So that is the source of everything. And within within that, we've we've broken it apart, not because it actually is three things, but only because we use that to be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two are consciousness and then thought. So we have divine, divine mind, divine consciousness, and divine thought. And these things are not separate. They actually mm-hmm. are all one. And divine mind and divine consciousness always are there, just in the background supporting us, as as divine thought is also. But and we couldn't experience life without these. We actually um, are able to articulate this now and be able to establish that these are the principles which have long been sought. And Dr. William James is, told us in the 1890s that principles did exist and that they would be, um, quote-unquote, uncovered so that it would establish um, psychology and psychiatry as hmm. the leading um, areas within healthcare. So that is where we are today. We've actually discovered the principles that will are now making the science of mental life mm-hmm. come to reality for us. Um, Teresa, could you go into a little more specifics on each of those, and what do you mean by divine? Okay. So when we talk about principles, we're talking about something that is at the most individual level it can be. It's an element. So when we talk about divine mind, we're talking about 
mind of all-knowing. Some people call it God, Spirit. It's where all knowledge is, where all knowledge comes from. It's where when we have our personal thinking and we want to do something that we haven't done before, it's where new knowledge comes from. Mm-hmm. And we have access to it at any, any moment of any day. Consciousness is actually our awareness. It's the fact that we know that we think. It allows us to use our senses to interact with our world. It gives Mm -hmm. us information that we wouldn't otherwise have access to because we are actually aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But thought, thought is a divine principle means that it's not what we think, it's the fact that we think. And that's a very big discriminator in understanding the principles because our thoughts, we know we have them. We have them all day long. They come, they go, we chew on them, we experience them. But it's not the content of our thought. We worry about them. Yes, we do. So it's not the content of our thoughts, but the fact that we think. So it doesn't have anything on us. You know, it's a power. Mm -hmm. We get to use it however we want to. Mm -hmm. And that frees us up from circumstances, from, from, you know, other people. It's, yes, we have those things in our life, but it's not, it does not come to life or have, anything to do with us until we put our thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. So that's how they work together. And, you know, keeping in mind, if we have principles and we have a paradigm, which is what we think we have with these principles of resilience, a paradigm means that it has applications, implications for everything. It always is there. It's like gravity. It doesn't change. So we can count on them. And that's why when Lynn was talking, we now think we have a a principles to base the science of mental life on because we can now use those to investigate anything we want. Mm -hmm. So when you have principles, it changes the way we do a lot of things. And hopefully we'll be able to explain that a little better as we go along here. Um, I, me- I noticed you had mentioned uh, flat earth thinking. Do you want to just briefly, Teresa, mention that? And then um, I'll go back to Lynn. Sure. So we have a term that we in our school that we call flat earth thinking. And its definition is thinking in a way, thinking that something works in a way that it never worked. Mm. So way a long time ago, people used to think the earth was flat. They had a lot of customs, they had a lot of rituals, they had a lot of worries and fears because they thought if they went out to the edge mm-hmm. of the earth, which was only as far as they could see, that they would actually fall off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the anchor business was booming because everyone who went out into the ocean to fish had big <laughs> anchors in case they got close <laughs> to the edge, they would right. drop anchor and not fall off. Right, exactly. Well, when they found out that the earth was round they had a paradigm shift. So now they knew they wouldn't fall off the edge of the earth. And as we know, the world changed. 
So when mm-hmm. we talk about flat earth thinking, that's what we're talking about with mind, thought, and consciousness. The way we have thought about it up until now is changing because we now have principles to base our psychological experience on. Right. So, Lynn, um, I know that uh, when you are, uh, that people that are trying to take in a new concept, it you have to overcome the previous concept or paradigm or whatever you want to call it um, for them to be able to go on to a new concept. So talk about that. How long does that take uh, to happen? <laughs> well, different um, periods of time, but depending on what it is, I know that um, when I was attending a nurse practitioner conference the other day, they said it would take 17 years for an mm. innovation in healthcare to, to, really? to change a standing procedure. Um, I know that the British Navy are called limeys because they realized at some point that they needed to put fresh fruit on board to mm. prevent scurvy. Well, mm-hmm. how long did that take? It took 300 years oh, from the oh. time that the British knew that that was the answer to scurvy before they put it on board the ships. Wow. So it's a, a different different period of time. And, and you know, things are, are coming clearer to us um, much more rapidly. I'll say that I was looking at the Declaration of Independence the other day. And in that, it, our forefathers stated that um, we see these things to be self-evident. Mm-hmm. And w- the first of which is that all men are created equal. Well, when we look around, it doesn't appear to be that way. Some are tall, mm-hmm. some are short, some have more finances, some have less. And the way in which we are all equal is that we have the power of thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And volition. We can make a decision based on that. We have thought free will. Action. Yes, we have the power of thought and free will. Mm-hmm. And that, when, when that is realized, it's already known, but when it's realized mm-hmm. at the deepest level by each individual person, mm-hmm. that will be the shift in the paradigm that we've long been looking for. Lynn, put it into kind of a practical, I don't know if you can do like an experience or um, uh, an example, but how do the principles um, uh, impact us in the experience of our life? Well, I think oh, I really sorry, want to Lynn. hand it off to Teresa at this point. Oh, okay. Do you have a, right. something that comes to mind, Teresa? Well, for me, the impact is like every day. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's sometimes difficult for us to see that our personal thinking has something to do with our experience because it really looks like it's a person, circumstance, situation that is the cause for our feeling, and so you know, it, it's trying to think of a good example where. I know that sometimes my thought gets outside in, which is a term that we use in the school for when our thinking 
when we make objects, other people, situations responsible for the way that we feel. Mm-hmm. What the principles do for us is allows us to see our thinking about it, not the content that's come up, but the fact that it's our thought, thought, our feeling about the circumstance, person, or situation that is creating it's not the about experience the fish. of it. Right. It's not about the fish. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because one of my friends uh, was talking about, uh, I'll tell you the fish story real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, she had been cooking fish for her husband and she was all excited and she's cooking along and thinking about how good it was going to be. And he walks in the door and he's like, Oh, what is that smell? And he was instantly upset. Well, she was instantly upset at him for acting that way. Mm-hmm. And so she was telling me about it and she was like, I am so mad at him and I can't believe that he didn't appreciate what I was doing. And, you know, it was quite a heated conversation for just a minute. And I said, well, you know, we each have a separate reality. Mm-hmm. And that separate reality is you were in your thought thinking about how good this was going to be, but he wasn't party to your thought. So when he came in and smelled the fish, all he experienced was his own thought about it in that moment. Yeah. The interesting part about it is they had an argument about it. <laughs> the fish went in the trash. Aww. And, you know, we can see those kinds of circumstances in lots of situations yeah. in our lives. We can relate to something like that. And we talked about where that experience comes from. Your thought, your feeling or attitude about it creates your experience. And she's like, I never saw that. Mm-hmm. And so... For, for a long time, she'd walk by and she goes, it's not about the fish. And it was like <laughs> every circumstance that was happening. You know? yeah. So that's how we can see it at play in our life is knowing it's only us, our personal thinking, our personal use of the powers of mind, thought, and consciousness that creates our experience at any moment of any day. It's actually so you- the only way it's created. Do you have to have all three, or is, are they? can they operate separately? No. Nope. If you don't have all three, you do not have a psychological experience because it has to be present in the moment. You know, what, one of the things that a lot of people do is have a lot of future thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to look at it, future thinking is just a guess. We don't know what's, what's going to happen in the future. We need to move in a direction. We make plans. Obviously, if we didn't sign up for college, we wouldn't go to school or become a nurse. Yeah. But we didn't know what it would look like until we got there because the power of thought in the moment was missing. It's where a lot of anxiety comes from because we, you know, worry about this and worry about that and try to make a certain thing happen. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's actually not possible. And that's why the principles help us. They help us to realize that, yes, we can plan. Yes, we can move in a direction. But we will never know what it's going to look like until we get there. Hmm. It frees us uh, up. Yeah, that I can see that. So what, what about when there's a misunderstanding? Um, you know, either... 
about what's experience, what we're experiencing or, or like the fish situation where she was misunderstanding what the other person was, um, was experiencing. Uh, where do you go from there? Well, this and is it, the answer. I guess I need bullying. to clarify that. Yeah. Go ahead, Lynn. Well, th- this is the answer quite literally to bullying within uh-huh. our profession. If we understand that every person has a separate reality, that they all see things differently, that there will never be a time when everyone will think exactly the way we do. Mm -hmm. We don't have to fight about trying to make somebody see it our way anymore. We can simply explain that this is the way we see it. So um, you had mentioned a diagram. Is there some sort of a diagram that um, would make it more clear? Yeah, we we have a diagram, and I'll just try to explain it the best I can since I don't have the visual. Mm-hmm. So imagine a stick figure on the left side of your page, and to the right of the stick figure is a big red line. In the middle, that that column says mixed. And to the right of that, it says outside in. Mm -hmm. So the left and then underneath is uh, mind and consciousness, which we've talked about. It says, you know, divine mind, divine consciousness. Mm -hmm. The mind is all knowledge. Consciousness is our awareness. But then at the top, we put thought in the moment. So I take that back. It's just the illusion of three paradigms is at the top. So what it's pointing to with the left-hand side is inside out, which is actually how thought works. It's our thought in the moment. It's where all three principles are together, which is actually the only way it works. But sometimes we think something other than our thought in the moment is coming from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. One way to say that is objectifying our thought onto a person's circumstance or situation. We call that outside in. And what outside in means is you're not aligned with the paradigm or how it works. That's where busyness happens. That's where anxiety happens. It's where discontent happens because thought in the moment is missing on that outside in or right-hand side of the page. Mm -hmm. In the mixed, we're talking about, okay, we know our thought has something to do with it, but we don't really realize that we're, quote, outside in on the subject. Mm -hmm. What happens when you can see that, if you wanted to draw that on your paper, and you can put the exact same thing on both sides of the page, both sides of the line, We can use bad boss for each one of those. So inside out, bad boss would mean, oh, I'm thinking that this person is a bad boss. Mm -hmm. And we take, we own it, we understand it, we know it's our thoughts about it, and that's exactly what we get. But if we go to that mixed or outside inside part of the page, and we put bad boss under there, we have now made that person responsible for the way Mm -hmm. we feel. Right. 
And if the principles are true, which is what we say they are, that's not possible because, thought, you know, our thoughts being put onto something else does not give us an experience. It just, we make a lot of assumptions, mm-hmm. we worry, we have anxiety, we may talk bad about that person because mm-hmm. we've made them responsible for the way we feel. But when we own it, which is on the inside out or aligned with the paradigm, we actually acknowledge that that's what we're thinking. That doesn't mean anything specific about the person. Mm-hmm. What it does for us is allows us to have a true recognition of where that's coming from. Mm-hmm. And we have access to new information or maybe insight into our own thinking that may not be true about someone. This might be an example. I was thinking um, when we feel anger, um, I've heard that the actual chemistry in our brain of anger lasts about less than three seconds. And then the continuation of that feeling of anger is from our thoughts. So we, just what you were saying, we are putting across, oh, this person has done this terrible thing. They did it on purpose. They, um, you know, are trying to ruin me or uh, I'm going to go and talk with everybody else in my work group and, and see if they have the same experience. So that will make it more true because others have thought the same thing. Is that kind of along the same line? That's exactly it. Okay. And, and that's actually one of the, in our school, one of the definitions of separate reality is when we, it doesn't look like what we think about it, we go to others to get agreement. We ask <laughs> subtly for agreement yeah. with the way we're thinking because somehow we make it looks as if it would make us feel better. Mm-hmm. It actually doesn't. But that's what we've been doing forever. Yeah. And we don't know and what we don't know better. So, you know, there's a misunderstanding of our where our experience is coming from, which is one of the reasons we have so many problems in our workplaces, in our families, and I guess in society in general, mm-hmm. is everyone is doing the same thing and don't know that they're doing it. Right. So we actually have a misunderstanding of mm-hmm. where our experience is coming from. And that's why the paradigm or the principles of resilience are so important to me because it stops a lot of that. I never will stop doing all of it. I'm human, you know. Mm -hmm. But the recognition that we are doing it really does open up a whole new world. Mm -hmm. Possibilities, new thinking, new solutions. Exactly. And just the realization that... People are not on purpose getting up and saying, what can I do to Lynn today to really make her life miserable? Um, they actually are just doing their own life. They're living out of their own perceptions and you know what's in front of them and do not have awareness. The, the other place that I think this comes in is with children. <clears throat> As parents, you know, we think we know our kids pretty well. But when it comes right down to it, you know, years later, maybe you find out that the child has had some thought in their head that was absolutely not valid, you know, for you or for anybody else around that child. But they were absolutely convinced it was true and they acted and and behaved out of that belief. This is kind of a good place for us to stop for a minute. We're going to go to a break. So um, 
I just want to uh, let everybody know that if you're just joining us, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. And we're talking about nurse resilience and that it's needed now more than ever. So my guests today are Lynn McCright, and she has uh, founded the Advancing Nurse Coaching. And um, Teresa Walding is a director in that program and on the board. And uh, we will be right back. Thank you. Thank you. to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact senior executive producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, and welcome back. Uh, We are talking about nurse resiliency and uh, how it's needed more 
now more than ever. My guests today are Lynn McCright, and she has a, a advancing nurse coaching certification program. Uh, and Teresa Walding is a director in that program and also an instructor. Uh, so we've been talking about the different principles of um, resilience, and Lynn and Teresa have presented that there is the uh, resilience. Uh, there are those principles are the divine mind, which is kind of all possible knowing, consciousness which is our awareness that we are conscious and that we um, are thinking, and then thought, which are those actual thoughts that are our own personal thoughts. So um, how about, uh, let's go on and just find out a little bit more about how does knowing this help us, and especially like as a nurse, how does, how does knowing these principles make life better for us? Oh, I'm sorry, Lynn. About... <laughs> living in the present moment and knowing that that's where our um, reality comes from. We, um, I talked to one of the guys who came to unlock my car one day, and I asked him, well, when do you have the busiest time for uh, people locking themselves out of their cars? And he said, well, of course, it's all the major holidays, especially Christmas, because uh-huh. they're thinking about something else. They're distracted. Mm-hmm. And... It, it's the same thing for car accidents, 6 million car accidents a year. Why is that? Because people are not aware in the present moment they're thinking ahead or thinking behind. Uh, one example of this is one of our nurse practitioners was wor- working with a wonderful 85-year-old woman who had lost four family members in three months. Huh. And she was having a terrible time remembering to check her blood sugar, give her insulin, And Dan just sat with her quietly and she said, you can't be in two places at once. You can't be here now taking care of yourself and living in the past. Mm -hmm. And the lady just got fire in her eyes and she said, do you mean to tell me that I'm not taking care of myself because I'm thinking about them? I can't bring them back, but I have the rest of my life to live. And three months later, she came back. She had more blood sugar checks than she had <laughs> in the previous three years. Wow. And an A1C that was ideal for her. Wonderful. So you know, and so many times we don't know we're doing it. It comes through in the moment. Mm-hmm. But it shows it, in the laps. Exactly. Exactly. And so often we don't know we're doing it. So if somebody else can mirror that back to us, it could be a really big surprise. Um, I think in terms of, I had a manager when I was going through this uh, uh, clinical depression, um, she would say to me, you know, Leanne, you're, you, do you realize you're not wearing makeup today and it looks like you didn't comb your hair and this is the same outfit you wore to work you know, yesterday. And I was totally unaware until she mirrored back to me that I was having behavior that was indicating I was not in a healthy place. I had no reason to take action on it because I just was not clear about that. So, you know, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, we had a young woman who was working in the emergency room one night and they wheeled in a young man, 25 years old, too morbidly obese to ambulate independently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he wanted. He said, I want to make some changes, but I want to talk to the doctor. And she said, well, the doctor's over there and can't come right now, but let's talk. 
And as the conversation came around, she said, let's talk about calories. You know, calories are energy, and you are all fueled up and ready to go in any direction you want. Hmm. The limits and how did, were off. He how did he respond? In the moment. How did that person respond to that? Well, they, you know, in an emergency room situation, there never is going to be another opportunity to come back for a long-term view right. like we had with the nurse practitioner and, and the A1C. But mm-hmm. it it was such a, a turning moment for him. He wanted to stay in touch with her. It would have been the perfect coaching opportunity because the goal of co- all coaching is insight. And he had mm-hmm. a big one, but... Um, at any rate, we'll never know what, what actually transpired sure. after that for him. But well, he didn't come back, because maybe. Because <laughs> we know that insight is the goal, he, he, and he had a huge insight. He, he will never lose that insight, insight as actually lifelong learning. It never disappears completely. It might be hidden from us for a while, but it always is there. Yeah. So let's take this to the nurses. Um, what would it be like if more nurses or all nurses knew these concepts? Um, what would a nursing unit look like? Um, maybe the individual nurses, the team, uh, the working together. Um, what, what can you say about that? Uh, Teresa, could you Teresa, address that? tell us about the bed wars. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, well, for one thing, what it would do for nursing is we could own our own experience. And an interesting thing happens when you really get a feel for what the principles mean for you because you take ownership of your thinking. You take ownership of the way experience is manifesting in your life. And it became really clear one day I was going up to get a bed for a patient um, I work in the upper, or in post anesthesia recovery, and you know we have limited beds. Certain beds go in certain rooms, and this kind of thing. And I went to get this bed up on the third floor, and someone got very upset about that. And I was like, okay, well, we need it for the patient. Well, I didn't realize that this. The backstory is is they thought they were getting another patient, and they uh. wanted a specific bed for a specific patient, mm. but. The, the nurse's aide in her wonderfulness said, I know where I can get another bed that will, you know, do what you need to do. And, you know, it's possible this patient's going to this other room. Mm-hmm. And so we went to get that bed. And I didn't know at the moment, at that time that we were going to start a war about the beds. Uh. But people got very upset very quickly about taking this specific bed. It's a nice one. You can mm. do weights and things. Mm-hmm. And the nurse's aide was like, I don't understand what the problem is. I'm just trying to help the patient. Mm-hmm. So you can see from the nurse's aide point of view, she just was, she knew where the bed was. She knew what it would be the right one for the patient. So that's what she was doing. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know the other side of the story, which was they right. were expecting another patient who they wanted the same bed for because of the mm-hmm. same reason. And, I watched it kind of play out with the things people were saying to each other back and forth to the point where some people just turned their back and moved on. 
other people stood there like guarding the bed. And I saw a new perspective of how we're each only doing the best that we can, right. you know, and yet the other, everyone's mad at each other, so to say, mm-hmm. because it looks like the bed is the problem. Yeah. Well, and we think we're helping the patient. The best. Right. Right. So we're coming from all different perspectives and you, so you can see thought in the moment for each person, especially nurses planning ahead, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I'm going to get this patient. Okay. I have the right bed. I have the right room. I have the right everything. And then someone comes up and wants to change your plan. Mm-hmm. Well, then now you come back and like, oh no, oh, hold on. This isn't happening. And really it ended up a whole complete miscommunication. Mm-hmm. But you can right. see that in lots of situations, not just that. It just happened to be with the one day where I watched the whole thing unfold. Right. And I began to understand more. Oh. And we all feel like we are, we feel like we're all so busy that there never is a time when we step back and ask a few more questions. And, um, Uh, don't just assume that what we are understanding is correct. Um, We had an example of it. I worked on an OB floor and I was working in labor and delivery and I was actually in charge of labor and delivery. And uh, we had a long term, I mean, years this went on of argument between the uh, nurse anesthetists who had to come up and if we had a baby that had meconium or anything like that, we had to have them come up and, and suck the baby out and check them over, etc. And we perceived the anesthetists as being so angry that we were pulling them away from their regular duties to come up to do this extra work for us. Um, that, you know, they would just be so crabby and so bossy and we just sort of, you know, spread to the edges of the earth. We didn't want to be around them. And their perception was that when they would come up, um, they felt like they were a guest on our floor and we were not being a good hostess and bringing them to the Mm -hmm. room and explaining what the situation was and making sure that they had the equipment that they needed uh, so that they could quickly do whatever they needed to do before they had any problem with the baby or lost the baby uh, and then go back to whatever it was that they were doing. So this went on for years. And finally, I Mm -hmm. set up uh, an intervention between uh, a group of people, between the um, nurse anesthetists and our labor and delivery nurses, and when we sat down and both put on the table what it was we were frustrated with, we both kind of looked at each other and said, this is ridiculous. Of course we can meet you at the elevator and make sure that you get to the room and make sure you have the equipment that you have. But we would like you also to be kinder to us and not so you know, bossy. And they were like, well, the only reason we've done that is we're so frustrated. So um, we, we we thought we were going to have this long, you know, six-month, year-long thing back and forth, and it ended after that one meeting. Once we understood where each other was coming from, the whole thing was not even a problem. And that's how it works. You know, that's exactly how it works. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. We, we really will have much, much, much more love, more compassion, less judgment, more mm-hmm. understanding. And a simplicity in our our life and our work that we have not previously known. Mm-hmm. The the thing about um, compassion, especially, is that we've always extended it to our clients, our patients, yes. and now we're 
going to be able to see and extend that same compassion to our coworkers. Right. And not stopping there, we will extend that compassion to ourselves. It's what we do as healthcare professionals, but we haven't seen it as a two-way street, that we can mm-hmm. always share that same compassion that we've had for our clients and our patients with our coworkers and ourselves. One thing I think that happens is, again, we're so busy, and in the heat of the moment, we are fighting for whatever it is that we think is the appropriate thing. What we need to do is, after the moment, to make an appointment to get together and and sit down and, and just put out on the table, here's how I was seeing it, is that how you saw it? Once you can do that, um, you can you can break through anything and then make some decisions. How are we going to handle this type of thing in the future? Now you are on a team, even if they're from another unit or another department. You can say we can work together because we now are working as a team. So the like you said, the anxiety can go down. The realization that we don't have to avoid conflict, we need to address conflict and and change that. So. Um, I just can see nurses mostly, I've I've always believed, and maybe this is not true, that all nurses are taught these kinds of principles, but is that not so? Lynn? One one of the things that we've um, actually seen that has transpired was that physicians were um, offered the opportunity to attend a training and what they saw in the before and after testing showed that their ruminative thinking, thinking the same thing over and over mm-hmm. and over, actually mm-hmm. decreased by 64%. Wow. So when we know that we can't convince somebody of something because of separate realities, we don't have to stay frustrated anymore. We can simply know that we can explain from our standpoint what it Mm -hmm. looks like to us, and not carry that over into our next interaction. Those people were able to find the solutions to their patients' problems much more rapidly because they dropped the distracted thinking. Mm -hmm. They uh, were able to leave work on time and get home to their families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Teresa, I'm wondering uh, if there's one thing that you would like nurses to know about this subject, what would it be in like a sentence or two? What um, we've, we've got uh, actually probably about nine minutes, but there's a few other things I want to get to, too. So just in a couple of minutes, what is one thing you really want nurses across the world to understand about this topic? Teresa? I think it's that your thoughts your feeling about anything is all that's ever happening. Mm-hmm. When you can see your own way of thinking and how that's interacting with other people, a really interesting thing happens when you own your own, you at the same time see how other people are using their personal power of thought. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, thought is neutral. It's, it's a power. It doesn't matter what what you think about it. It, You are the one that uses your personal power of thought, not thought itself, because that's neutral. You add your own spin to it, so to say, using your thought in the moment 
about something that creates your experience, it allows you to see the world differently. It allows you to see what your own game is. Because we Mm -hmm. do that, we play games with ourselves, with our own thinking. Well, if this happens, then this will happen. If that Mm -hmm. happens, then I'll act like this. And so we're constantly doing this little game with ourselves, trying to stay one step ahead or plan ahead or reach a certain outcome. But if you can see that your personal use of the power, neutral power of thought is all that's happening to create your experience of it, there's a lot of new information in there for you. Mm-hmm. And one way that happened for me was when I was, had a very critical patient. I was in the present moment doing exactly what came next, independent of all the chaos around me. Mm-hmm. And it calmed me down. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of extra thinking. I just did what came next. Right. And it was the least stressful time I've had in nursing in a really long time. Um, <laughs> in what could have been very stressful. Lynn, um, uh, anything that you would specifically like nurses to get to understand about this particular topic? You know, we are naturally resilient. So it's only really rediscovering who we truly are at at our our deepest level of being. And it's rediscovering for ourselves why we came into nursing in the first place and Mm -hmm. helping to to watch that flourish and grow. I know a lot of nurses today are are so disillusioned by what they see as circumstances Mm-hmm. And we're finally at the point now of being able to turn that around and for nurses to be able to see that they are the most important factor in the the equation of healthcare when they can bring themselves fully to their work. And Amen. It's, the work is fantastic. so rewarding. And yes. we always yes. want to keep that uppermost in our minds not just for ourselves, but for our colleagues as well. That is so true. And I'd like to um, bring up uh, this point. Uh, Both Lynn and Teresa are members of the American uh, Holistic Nurses Association, and they are in the midst of a huge project that they have determined to do uh, for the International Year of the Nurse and Midwives. And the project is called the Compassion Caravan. Um, And it comes out of the realization of how stressed, how overwhelmed, how bullied and burnt out nurses are and how many are leaving uh, the profession. And so they wanted to do something active to really support nurses. So the the caravan is going to start in um, New York, and it'll literally travel through um, various different states to New Mexico, supporting nurses all along the way by supporting them through Healing Touch, breath work, conferences, workshops in various cities, natural landscapes, camping out, all kinds of things along the way. And then uh, at the end in New Mexico, Albuquerque, there will be a a conference there, the uh, um, uh, American Holistic Nurse Association Convention. 
And um, Lynn and Teresa, is there anything you'd like to add to what I'm saying here? Uh, Teresa, what would you like to add to what this is going to be about? I'm just really excited for this to come. We're actually hosting one of the stops in Austin, Texas. So if anyone wants to come, they're welcome to. Um, There'll be information on the Facebook page I think I can't remember the area chapter, the American Holistic Nurses. And also yeah. it's uh, once, uh, excuse me, um, uh, CompassionCaravan.org, I believe is also the other uh, one. So www.CompassionCaravan. So Lynn, we just have a minute or so. Is there something you would like to add about this this project? Well, just that, that we are, are supporting it. Um, in, in whole, in fact, we're going to be attending the Texas Organization of Nurse Leaders um, Thursday and Friday this week, and we'll be talking with nurse leaders there. Um, you can find out about those meetings in, at texasnurse.nurses.org, texasnurse.org. And our own uh, school, online school, has a real simple uh, website. It's simply nursecoaching.com. And this is, um, the resilience is our topic. It's what we offer in our online school for both nurses and health, licensed health professionals. And Leanne, thank you so much for inviting us to be with you today. It's thrilled to have you. Watch nursing blossom and to be here now. As Lawrence Nightingale told us, the practice of nursing will change completely. And the year is 2020. And it only took us 200 years from her birth to get here. It's um, amazing. But, uh, you know, we've been making progress along the way. So, yes, I am also going to be involved. I'm hoping to do some um, uh, uh, recordings or maybe even live recording from um, the different, at least from the first part of the journey, and then maybe um, along the way, we'll try and get some people's experiences. So um, we have to go. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing, and I'm Leanne Meyer. Um, We will uh, be listening. Hopefully, you'll be listening in next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.